Tonight, we're continuing a series called Carry On. We're in a series right now called Carry On, which is a series on marriage. And so some of you wonder, why are we talking about marriage? I'm not engaged. I'm not even dating anyone. But here's the thing. We want you to have things. We want you to know things. We want you to have convictions and priorities and values now. Because even though you're not even close to marriage, most of you, you're heading in that direction. And so we want you to pack some things in your carry-on bag so that by the time you get there, you already have it. You guys know what it's like to get somewhere and realize you forgot your deodorant? Come on, boys. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, every day, right? Every day I get to school, right? But dudes, right? Your toothpaste. How many people forget your toothpaste and you're going and you're like, I can make it, right? Yeah. So we don't want you to, there's nothing worse than getting somewhere and then realizing too late, man, I wish I had something. And so there's certain things that we want you to have so that by the time you approach marriage, Young ladies, by the time this, a young man comes along, you're ready to pursue you and woo you and try to convince you to do something as crazy as spend the rest of your life with him, <laughs> right? It's kind of hilarious, right? Next time a guy comes up to you, well, not, maybe not next time, as if that happens often. When that guy comes up to you and he gets on one knee, I want you to just laugh. Just laugh in his face. Say yes? No, no, I want you to say yes, but I want you to laugh to be like, you know how hilarious this is, right? Like, this is wild. But God designed it, so sure, why not, right? Dudes, I want you to have the man bucks, all right? I want you to start saving now. I want you to start having convictions and values and, and understanding now so that by the time you meet that lady, you're ready to cash in, man. You don't meet a girl and then go, wow, I like her. I better go figure out how to get married. No, learn now. You start to understand God's design now. Young men, where are my men at? Hi, sailor. That's all the men are at. When I say where the men at, point of order, time out, cut the tape. When I say, when I say where the men at, it's, this is the only acceptable answer. Oh, all right. Can we try that? Can we try that? Where are the men at? Okay. That was like the man cub. You know what I mean? That was like, that was like Mowgli the man cub. You know what I mean? I'm looking for like, where are my, my, my dudes at? Where are the guys at? All right, we're going to do that often tonight because tonight is a very special message for my dudes. And so we're in this series called Carry On, and tonight, 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 we are talking about I Take You. So this is a two-part message. We're going to do the first part today and the second part next week. But today, the title of my message is I Take You. How many of you have ever been to a wedding? Okay. You go to a wedding, right? And they're awesome, and everybody's crying, and oh my gosh, all this time. And then you're at a table, and you see that, like, the little things that are on your table cost more than your entire outfit. You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, wow, people put a lot of energy and time into this, right? And so you're like, wow, this is awesome. But then you go in, you're mingling, and then you sit down. And then sometimes it's just straight boring, right? Right? Like, you know what I've always wondered? For the people that are doing the marriage, they don't do a whole lot on their wedding day, right? You know what they do? They stand there, right? 
And so you're like, oh man, this is so, like, we've been talking about this for months, right? I've had their picture on my refrigerator like a year out. They sent me a little card that told me where to buy their gifts. I'm like, who gets away with that, right? Only engaged people can tell you where to buy their gifts, right? <laughs> hey, I'm getting married. And by the way, don't come empty handed, right? You guys will get that one day, right? When like all your friends are getting married and you're like, I can't afford this, man, right? And so uh, you just buy them stamps. And so anyway, I've never done that. And so like all this energy and this momentum, hey, we're getting married, the announcements, the invitations, the RZPs, and you finally get there and it's like all they do. I'm like, you invited me to watch you stand there, right? And then the guy up here, he's doing all the talking. And I'm like, yo, it should be his party, right? That's not fair. And he doesn't get in any of the pictures, right? These guys, all they did is stand there. And so the wedding, it just goes on and goes on and goes on until perhaps the most exciting part of the wedding. And this is the part where like, you're all like, mm, you're falling asleep because that guy, like the preacher's voice like, and you're like, all right, dude, just like let him kiss already, man. And so finally you're falling asleep and, and all of a sudden, I take you, and you just hear this different voice, and you're, and you're like, kind of, you're jarred awake, and you're like, oh, what? What happened? And you realize the guy, he's not a mannequin up here. He's actually talking. And so you, you kind of like, you draw yourself awake, and you lean forward, and you go, what is he saying? And he begins with these words, his vows. He says, I take you, and do you see what he's about to do? The guy who is standing in the front, the guy who has just invited all these people to watch him, the guy who has just got an entire room of witnesses in front of his bride, he's about to tell her his promises. He says, I take you, fill in your name, and then he begins to tell her his vows. He begins to tell her in front of every single person in the room, here's what I'm committing to do for the rest of my life. Here's what I'm promising to do in sickness and in health. Here's what I am vowing to you, my bride, that I will do until death do us part. Anybody struggle with keeping their promises? <laughs> Let alone the promise for your entire life, all right? Where are my guys at? Guys, I'm talking to you tonight, all right? And so ladies, I've, I've already warned you, this is going to be a man message, all right? But I'm glad that you're here tonight, ladies, because here's the reality. As I talk to these young men, I want you to start to raise your standard, right? This is, they're going to be putting in their carry-on bags what it means to be a husband one day. But you know what you're putting in your carry-on bags? Standards, right? And you're going, oh, that's what a husband's supposed to be? I'll take that, all right? That's how a man is supposed to treat a woman? Ooh, I'll note that, all right? And so one day when you open up your carry-on bag, ladies, you're gonna be pleasantly surprised if that guy has also packed some things in his carry-on bag, all right? So ladies, you don't mind if I talk to the men tonight, do you? Where are my ladies at? I did not teach them that. Ladies have like one brain. You guys know that, right? Like, when you get ladies into a room, all of their brains, it's like a computer where they all come in as individuals, but as soon as they sit down, it's like, it's like they just, they knew, I did not teach them that noise. They just knew, they sensed it in their, high, their hard drives that they would make that noise. Men, point number one, be scared, okay? That was for free. So, I'm going to talk to the guys tonight. And so, here's what I want you guys. Where are my men at? 
Men, one day, when you find yourself in front of the room, when you find yourself here and it's your turn to talk and it's your turn to make your vows and you say, I take you, what are you going to promise? When you say, I take you such and such, what are you about to tell her in front of the whole room that you're committing your entire life to do? What are you vowing? What are you pledging? What are you going to promise to that lady? Fortunately, we're not left to wonder on our own what a promise would be. Fortunately, we don't have to search Google to say, give me some good vows that sound like I wrote them. (laughs) Friends, what we're learning is not only that God designed marriage, he also designed husbands and wives. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at a passage written to husbands. And our goal is, as we listen to this passage, as we learn what a husband is supposed to be, one day you will be prepared to stand up here and make a promise and a commitment that God has called you to. So men, this is a challenge. Are you ready? Where are the men at? Do you want to hear this? All right. Let's do this. Oh, yeah. All right. Cool. I'll take what I can get. So open up your Bibles. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 25, for all my fellows out there. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that, everybody say, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Sound familiar? There's quotes around that one. Where did we just hear that from, huh? Last week. No, he didn't quote me. He's quoting Genesis, right? Okay. Back to 32. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you, men, love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. All right, let's go back through this and check it out. Let's see. I want to show you three things today, three traits that make a man a godly husband. Three traits that make a man a godly husband. Let's check it out. Look at the first verse again. Verse 25. Husbands. Where are my husbands at? I was just kidding, man. Hopefully not. Busted, right? Man, that's a big secret you've been keeping, bud. We'll talk about that. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Everybody, I want the men in here. Repeat after me. Husbands, love your wives. We see the first call to men, and this is not like, hey, hey, husbands, I think maybe perhaps it would be a good idea if maybe you kind of sort of thought of maybe just a little bit thinking about loving your wife. This is a command. He says, husbands, point blank in your face, husbands, love your wives. 
Now let's do a little exercise here. I, I want us to put our heads together. Ladies, they already have like the same network. They're, they're there, right? But dudes, let's put our heads together out loud because we need to. What does it look like to love a woman? What, what are some loving things we could do? Let's throw them out there. Commitment, great. Yes, good. Others. What are some loving things that a man could do for a wife? That was a feminine man. What'd you say? Loyalty, buy her flowers, okay? Faithfulness. Respect her. Never give up. Never surrender. I say that to my wife every night before we go to bed. I'm like, hey, Jordan, I just want you to know, baby, I will never give up. Never surrender. Good night. All right? It's like every night freaks her out, but I think she loves it. Um, what else? What are some loving things we can do? We can love her. That is the most loving thing you could do. Yes. What else? <laughs> He's like, I know what it means. Let everybody else figure it out. Doing the dishes. Reminding her of her identity. This is great. This is great. What else? What are some loving things you could do? Yeah. Say it again. Accept her flaws. That's solid. Let the record show. That was Evan Zuvich, Mountain View, right? <laughs> Ladies. Yeah, good. Yeah. Buy her chocolate. That's what's up. Come on now. What else? All the ladies are like, preach it, brother. Right? Dark chocolate. <laughs> yeah, what else? What are some loving things? Jewelry from the seventh graders down front. <laughs> Made out of real metal. <laughs> Go ahead. Yes, very good. Others, what does it mean to be loving? Respect her. Good. Listen, all right, we're not too bad off, right? Fellas, we got this. That sounds great, okay? So here's what I want to do. I want to bring it all together because all of those are loving things, all right? All of those are loving things, but God doesn't leave us wondering. Is that loving? Is that loving? He actually gives us something very specific, and look what he says, all right? He doesn't leave us guessing what it looks like to love. This is what God does. He gives the command, husbands, love your wives, and then he points, and he says, like that. You want to know, men, what it looks like to love your wives? He points to Jesus Christ, who cared for his people, so much so that he was willing to put them before himself, even to the point of death. Men, you know what it looks like to love? Like that. That's what he says. And so the first thing we see, a godly husband loves his wife by laying down his life for her. A godly husband loves his wife, his life, his wife, by laying down his life for her. This is the first key trait of a godly husband. It's love. It's love. And now, friends, check it out here, right? Because we all have a definition of love. Every song out there has a definition of love, doesn't it? I mean, depending on what genre you're listening to, if you're listening to R&B, right, they have a very def different definition of love than like country music, right? I shared my milkshake with my lady. And they're like, oh my gosh, he loves me, right? And then dudes are like, I'm gonna take her out tonight, treat her real nice. I don't know, man, I don't know, right? But it's like we all have this definition of love, but what our culture does, our culture, if you're not careful, you'll miss it. If you're not looking for it, you missed it. If you're not paying attention, you missed it. Our culture wants you to believe that love is a feeling, right? 
because when you get that, you know, just have a feeling inside of you, right? And you have this just, and, and like, not only is it a feeling, but guys, you better watch out because like, you can't even control it. Like, people are falling into it apparently, right? That just sounds straight up dangerous, right? How's that romantic? Yo, baby, I saw you, I fell in love. You fell? You're, what? You're clumsy, man, right? Love is like this thing that you can't control it. It's just a feeling and you fall into it and then sometimes you fall out of it and it's just, man, this, people in love are a mess. And But what we realize here, friends, and this is what you need to know, love is not a feeling that you can't control. It's an action. It's an intentional action. Love here, the way that Christ defines it, is not just this love that swells up inside of you and you have the butterflies and then it goes away and you think, man, I don't love them anymore. Students, especially young students, listen, those are very real feelings, okay? When you have that dynamic or you have a crush, and I mean, we all have crushes, right? It just, they come and go, and that doesn't mean you have to own them and pursue them, right? Like our cultures, you have those dynamics. You know what, let's call it for what it is. There's affection, there's warmth, there's fondness, there's a dynamic, and you have those crushes and whatnot, but that's not love. Love is not a feeling that you can't control. It's an intentional action, not a helpless emotion. Love is not a helpless emotion, but it's an intentional action. And here's what the action is. Be willing to give yourself up for her. Be willing to give yourself up for her. Be selfless. Be willing to sacrifice for her. Be willing to put her needs before your own. Be willing to treat her as more significant than yourself, even to the point of dying for her. You know, men, you know how you're supposed to love your ladies? Like that. Look at Christ. When I first started writing this, my, my first point was, love your wife even to the point of death. And then I changed it. You know why? Because it would actually be easier to die for your wife. You know what's harder than dying for your wife? Living for her selflessly every day for the rest of your life. If I took a bullet to the brain right now for my wife, it'd be over at least, right? But every day that I, have to, that, that I have to sacrifice and I put her needs before my, that's painful, that's harder, that's love. I was at the gym a few weeks ago <clears throat> and it was a long week, right? <laughs> it was a long week. So I needed, why are you laughing, right? I went to the gym, that's <laughs> not even the punchline. Dang, man, no love up in here. I went to the gym once. No, but I went to the gym, you know, and it was a long week and I was, Long day, I was up in the night, you know, baby screaming and crying, and I said, I'm looking all day, all day. Fellas, say all day. All day, I was looking forward to going to the gym, right? And so it's like, you know, the clock is ticking, it's like, it goes five o'clock, I go, you know what, I'm done for the day, close my laptop, I leave it on the desk, get in the car, pull up, there it is, that, I, the car wasn't starting for a little bit, you know? So I start the car, pull up to the gym, I get out, and I'm like, oh, I'm about to go in, right? You know what I'm talking about. I'm about to go. So I go into the gym, hop on the treadmill, whew, gliding, right? Five-minute warm-up. I'm glistening. You know what I'm saying? The heartbeat is there, right? I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm like, yo, I'm feeling good, right? This is a great start. If this is any indication, it's going to be a great workout. Hit stop, right? Bring it to a stop turn around, grab my phone. As I'm grabbing the phone, stepping off the treadmill. Bzzz, bzzz, bzzz. 
It's my wife. I'm about to work out. I'm about to go in. If I would have went five steps further and put down my phone, I wouldn't have even heard the phone call. But I'm seeing it. But I want to work out. I want to go get it. I want to pick things up and put them down. <laughs> and I answered the phone, right? I'm like, all right, let's be quick. <clears throat> hey, baby. And I pick up the phone. And she's like, <clears throat> all right. And when my wife clears her throat, Uh-oh. <clears throat> Sam? I'm like, yeah? Um, what are you doing? I'm like, about to do a lot, right? Um, Jordan, what is it? What's going on? I need you to come home. I'm having a really hard day right now, and Micah is out of control, and I just, I just need a break. I need to go for a walk. Can you come home and watch Micah? <laughs> Slow motion. I look around at like the people picking up weights. It's like, I'm like, I'm like, everybody's working out. And I'm looking at the phone and I'm like, no, right? And I have a choice, right, fellas? How many fellas do I got a choice right now? Hey, Joe, you know what? Like, think about my needs here. I was working all day, right? Like, babe, you know how hard I work? I'm bringing home the bacon. I'm tired. If I don't get my adrenaline pumping right now, if I don't get a good healthy workout after sitting all day, that's like a two years off my life. You don't want me to die early, do you? I mean, like, think about it. I mean, this is for me, right? This is actually, and I could have done that, right? And I could have been right, and I could have justified my needs in the moment. And you know what I said to my wife? I said, you got it. I'll be right there. I hung up the phone, turned around, got in the car, drove home, right? Why did I do that? Because Sam, you're the man. No, no. The ma if I was the man, I would have been like, dude, I want to come home. I can't wait to go home. And me I was selfish. In that. I, on the inside, I wanted to do me. But you know why I went home? Do you know why I went home and let my wife go out and just walk and come back? Because on September 1st, 2012, I stood in front of her. I made a promise that I would lay down my life for my wife. I made a promise that for the rest of my life, I would be willing to inconvenience myself and be willing to sacrifice and be willing to put my wife's needs above my own. That's what a godly husband does. A godly husband loves his wife by laying down his life for her. And so guys, check it out. You're not married, right? You're like, oh, I'm free. I can do me. I'm not getting no ball and chain. I'm gonna go to the gym as much as I want, Right? And you can, all right? You can do that. But here's my challenge to you, men. Here's my challenge to you. You can wait until you wake up on the first day as a married man to try to be selfless, or you can start now. Men, if you know that you want to be able to promise to your wife that you will be selfless for the rest of your life, why not start now? Men, I'm, I'm talking to you, right? Well, I'm a little kid. I can do whatever I want. I'm only, I'm a senior in high school. This is my time to be selfish. When was the last time that you inconvenienced yourself for someone? Just to put their needs above your own, men. Guys, are you selfish? Be honest. Hey, we're gonna do snacks after citizen. Are you one of those kids that like you're running past the girls, knocking them over to go to the front of the line because you're putting your needs first? Are you selfish, young men? If so, here's a challenge. 
Be selfless. Practice putting other people's needs above your own. Not just ladies, even other dudes. Practice being selfless because you know what will happen? That will begin your character. That will become a habit. That will become a way of life. And by the time you get married, you can say, I promise I'm going to do this because I've been doing this for the last 10 years. Where are my men at? The first trait of a godly man. Love. It's love. So this is the key trait. It's love. But here's the second thing, all right? Because this is huge. We're not simply called to have the same love as Christ. We're also called to have the same goal as Christ, men. Check out the next part of our verse here. Verse 26. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So that, all the guys say, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. A godly husband leads his wife toward a vision of holiness. A godly husband leads his wife toward a vision of holiness. Check it out, guys. Jesus Christ laid down his life. That's pretty hard, right? Like, can we just say, man, Jesus was a man? Like, right, guys? Like, that was hard. He laid down his life, but it's because he was driven by a vision. Guys, man. Jesus did something hard because he was driven. He was compelled by a vision. He was compelled by a goal that everything was moving toward. And you know what the vision was? Last week, we learned about the first wedding. Jesus' vision was the ultimate wedding. Jesus was compelled by a vision of the ultimate wedding. You see, Christ, Jesus Christ, as he's dying on the cross, as he's going to the cross, as he's doing the hard thing of what a man does, laying down his life, as he's doing that, he had a picture in his mind. And he was looking forward to the day that he would stand on something very similar to this. He's looking forward to the day where he would grab his bride, his church, right? His people. And he would grab his bride and he would begin to walk her down the aisle. This is the vision. Jesus was looking forward to the day that he would grab his bride arm in arm and walk her down the aisle. And as he begins to walk down the aisle, he would remember. I remember where she was when I found her. I remember where Peyton was when I saved him. I remember where Cassidy was when I brought her out of her sin. I remember where Haley was when I first revealed the gospel. And he's walking her down the aisle and he's remembering all of the sin and the impurity that he brought her out of. But on that day, he's celebrating the fact where he's bringing her to. And he realizes that she's no longer that sinful person. He's no longer the person that's addicted to sin and addicted to self. But on this day, as, they, as the bride walks down the aisle, he is, she is coming beautiful, it says, in splendor. Imagine the whitest white that you've ever seen. And this bride is coming down without blemish, without blemish perfect, spotless, and holy. And on this day, this is, what Je- this, is what God was look- this is what Jesus was looking forward to, students. He's looking forward to the day that he would grab his bride, walk her down, and he would present his bride, who? To himself. And as he's standing there, 
seeing how beautiful she is, he would look at her and say, I helped her become that. As Jesus Christ looks at his bride, he would have the joy of knowing, I've brought her to a place that is far better than where she was. That's the ultimate wedding. Husbands, in the same way, love your wives. In the same way, don't simply have the love of Christ, have the goal of Christ. Be compelled by a vision, right? Be compelled by a vision. Like, the ladies in this room, men, oh, listen, all right. The ladies in this room one day, they're going to stand before Jesus Christ. And they're going to stand spotless and holy and without perfection. And you think they look good now when they do their makeup for homecoming, right? Yo, you ain't seen nothing yet. Because they're beautiful. Their inside, their outside is just as beautiful as their inside. It's perfection washed by the blood of Jesus. And husbands, you want to be able on that day when you see your wife standing before Jesus Christ, spotless and beautiful, you want to be able to look at her and say, I helped her become that. I helped my wife become the best version of herself that she could. Like Christ did, I washed my wife, not with water, but with the word. I led her in holiness. I led her to understand the gospel more. And now you can say on, your final, on that final day, she's in a better place than when I found her. A godly husband leads his wife toward a vision of holiness. The key trait, friends, in any godly marriage has to be holiness has to be holiness. And so here's my second challenge for you men. Where are my men at? Don't fall asleep on me. Where are the men at? Hey, men, you want to make your wife holy one day? You want to be men that lead your wife in holiness? Are you leading the ladies around you in holiness right now? Dudes, don't get quiet on me, dudes. Listen, let's be real here, okay? Because we all know the little boy inside of us, right? We all know the little boy who wants to go unchecked and just do his thing. But listen, if that's the goal one day, if we're going to stand up in front of a whole room and say, I promise to lead you toward a vision of holiness, then ask yourself now, are you committed to seeing the holiness of your sisters? Friends, man, we like marriage, right? Oh, we write, we have songs, we see movies. It looks awesome, Marriage is more than just finding a BFF. Marriage is about more than trying to convince a girl to marry you for the rest of her life. Friends, marriage, dudes, marriage is about getting into a relationship with a woman where you promise to make her more holy. And if that's what the promise is going to be one day, friends, start now. Are your sisters in Christ more holy? Are they more committed to Jesus Christ? Are they more passionate about his glory because of the way that you talk to them? Because of the examples that you set? Because of the way that you hug them? Because of the way that you text them? Because of the way that you interact with them? Because of the way you don't flirt with them? Are the ladies in this room more committed to holiness because of the men in this room? You can't be a little boy now and then expect on your wedding day it's going to be like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm now committed. I'm going to make you holy. No. I want us to be a youth group. I want us to be a movement where the ladies that come into this room, whether it's their first time or their millionth time, they come into this room and they say, the guys here are different. The guys here are not trying to holler at me. 
The guys here are not trying to play footsies with me. The guys here are not trying to play the pinky game and see how many times they can inadvertently touch my pinky to their pinky. You get that in homeroom. You don't get that at Citizens. That's not what we're about. This is going to be a movement of men that respect and honor the ladies in this room because they want them to look at Jesus more than they want them to look at themselves. And so we're going to start now. And it starts with your own holiness. You can't lead somewhere to that you've never been. Hey, how many of you want to come on a road trip with me to Montana? I'm going to take you there, okay? You want to come? I've never been to Montana. I don't know how to get there. I'm probably going to drive you to the ocean because I went the wrong way. You can't lead someone to, that you, to a place that you've never been. And so if we're going to promise for the rest of our lives to lead someone to holiness, do you know how to get there? Do you know what it looks like to live a holy life now? I know, guys, dudes, look at me for a second, please. All the dudes in this room, can you look at me? Make eye contact with me. I know, all right? I know. We know, all right? The struggle is more than real, all right? We know what it's like, friends. You are living an underdog battle, okay? You are living in a world that is making it impossible for you to remain pure and holy. Almost impossible. But we're men, and we fight, and we do it together, and we do it on the power of the Holy Spirit. Students, boys, men, Godly husbands lead their wives toward a vision of holiness. And so let's start pursuing it now. Second trait of a godly man, holiness. Let's look at the last part. Where are my men at? All right, verse 28. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. How many people like to nourish their bodies? Where are my dudes at, right? Yo, I nourish my body real good. You know, I eat real good. I take care of my body really good. Food-wise, right? Sometimes. But I eat, right? I nourish it. I cherish it. I care for it. No one has ever hated his own flesh. Just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become, where are my dudes at? The two shall become one flesh. Number three, final thing, a godly husband cares for his wife as if she were a part of him. Because she is. <laughs> A godly husband cares for his wife as if she was a part of him. Because she is. Because she is. This is the key trait here. From the key trait here is oneness. All right? Once again, and, and guys, like, if you're like me, you love visual aids, right? How many people love when there's little pictures on the instructions? Where are my dudes at, right? Right? You get a book and there's no pictures and you're like, you really expect me to put together this dishwasher? Like, without a picture, Really? I'm like, give me a picture for everything. Give me a picture on how to put on my belt, tie my shoelace. Pictures are great, right? And so I think Paul knows this. I think God knows this. That's why when he's talking to men, he goes, like that, right? And so for the third and final time, Paul is pointing to the example of Jesus Christ to teach us the final part of being a godly husband. 
And what does he point to here? He points to Jesus Christ. And he reminds us that we're members of Christ's body. How many people have a body? Just checking. <laughs> yeah. Just checking. You're like, I, I, I think so. Not a trick question. You have a body, right? So does Jesus Christ. Do you guys know where Jesus Christ's body is right now? In a tomb, you said, right? No. In our hearts. That's where Jesus Christ's body. Where's Jesus' body? Where's his body? Trick question? No, it's not a trick question. Let's look at some verses here, okay? 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Put that up on the screen there. Now you are the body. Everybody say you. You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And so guys, check this out. This is what happens. This is what happens, especially for those of you who are newer Christians. Those of you who have just been baptized, I want you to understand this. Those of you who have been baptized like years ago, understand this too. It's good for us, okay? When we become part of the family of God, we join his body. The church, people who have been saved, people who have, been, who, who have repented and joined Jesus' family, it calls him his body. The church, the group of people that he has saved, that's his body, that's his hands, that's his feet, that is the vehicle through which he touches the world. Do you know who's going to Dream Center in April? Jesus' body, Jesus' hands, and his feet, and his mouths, and his eyes, and his ears, right? You, the collective group, you are Jesus' body. And individually, you're a part of the body, all right? I'm the hand, maybe, okay. I'm the feet, sure. Nobody says I'm the appendix, you know? The appendix! I'm Jesus' spleen, right? I have no functions, but when I hurt, everyone knows it. <laughs> right? You are Christ's body, and individually, you're members of it. Look at the next one. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. How many bodies? One. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. Friends, and, and my academy students, you know this. When Jesus saves us, he gives us a new spirit, right? He gives us a new spirit. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body. The Holy Spirit comes into us, making us part of the family, part of the body. That's part of why we do water baptism, right? You get into the tank, right? That's a picture of what the Holy Spirit does to us. He takes us and, he bapt and we're baptized into him, into the body, right? And so when you get saved, it's like you... And Jesus, it's like you become one body, right? You become one, that was way easier. You become one body. I'm like, how many hands does Jesus' body have, right? You become one body. You could say that you're one with Christ. You are together. We are his body. Like that. In the same way, when a man commits to marrying a woman, they come together, and they are one. They are together. They, they, remember last week we talked about that, how when the man and the woman, they come together, they're one body now? Like in God's sight, it's like they're, they're one. They still have their individual personalities. They're still individual, but they're one. They're together. They're united in the same way that Christ and his church are united as one. And so here's the thought. If you're one with your wife, 
If she's one with you men, treat her the way that you would treat your own body. None of us neglect our body, okay? Even when we forget deodorant, you know what I mean? Like, even when we don't treat it in the nicest way, hygienically speaking, right? We still take care of ourselves. We eat. We sleep. We get stuff to drink. We exercise. We get our heart rates up. We care for our own body. And so Paul is telling you guys, as godly husbands, treat your wife as if she was a part of your body. Because she is. Right? And so look what he says. He says, nourish her. You see that there, those two words? He says, nourish and cherish. You know what it means to nourish? Meet her needs. Provide for her. If you come home, right, from playing video games all day because you don't have a job, and your wife says, man, I'm hungry. I wish we had food in the refrigerator. I don't know. What? She's part of you. Feed her. Provide for her, men. That's what godly husbands do. Nourish her. Put food in her body, right? Nourish her. Take care of her. Meet her needs. My wife is warm at night because we have the heat on. And you know why the heat is on? Because I pay the heating bill. My wife has food in the refrigerator to feed herself and my, and my 15-month-old son. You know why she has food in the fridge? Because I went out and I made money to put it in the fridge. I'm nourishing her. I'm meeting her needs. I'm providing for her. But then here's where Paul is so legit. Okay, here's where God knows what he's doing. This is the designer. He doesn't simply tell you guys to nourish her. Because if that was the only command, this is, this is what we would do. We'd walk into the door. We'd throw her a steak. Ah, oh, there's your food. All right, rah, 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 right? We'd come home and we'd do the bare minimum. Blah, 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 here's the paycheck. Blah, 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 here's your food. Blah, blah, now I'm going to my room. Blah, 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 right? He doesn't simply say provide for her. He says a very important second word. He says nourish her and cherish her. So you cannot be a dude that comes home and then emotionally disconnects and sits in the TV room and says nobody bother me because I did my job already. Now it's your turn. I bring home the paycheck. You guys just live the family life. Yeah, all right, I guess. I, I guess you're nourishing her, but are you cherishing her? Do you know what it means to cherish, young men? To cherish means to treat with care. To hold it dear as something of great value. If a husband were to come home, throw her the paycheck, here are the groceries. I brought home the bacon. Now you cook it and leave me alone. Is he treating her? Is that, a, is that a godly husband? No, because he's not treating it as of great value. He's not holding it dear. He's not loving it and treating it with care as something special. You ever been given a gift? Like a really special gift? How many of you have a gift that you keep in a special place because of the meaning it has? Right? What are some examples? Go ahead. A ring, right? Who gave you the ring? Your parents gave you a ring, right? And so you go, my precious. No, no, you don't do that, right? But you have, oh, wrong ring, wrong ring, right? But you grab a ring and you go, wow, this is special to me. I'm going to care for it. And you put it in a special place, right? What are some other gifts, special gifts you've received? Life lessons taught by your parents and they write those down, right? And you cherish them, right? Yeah, but you, you hold those dear. Very good, Austin, yeah. Your first Bible. Who got you your first Bible? No way. Was that special? 
Where's that Bible at? Bring it here. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, right? That's a special Bible, right? But you have it in a special spot, right? You're cherishing it. Good. Where else? What else? Yeah. A necklace. Man, that's special. Your watch. You put your watch on that finger, don't you? All right. A watch. Yeah. Say it again. Your phone. You cherish it. Guys, we all have received special gifts. We've all received special gifts, and we cherish them. We hold them dear. Where are my men at? One day, one day, one day, one day, you're going to receive a special gift. Cherish it. Cherish it. Don't be the dude that acts like he's cherishing it. Don't be the dude that promises to nourish and cherish her as if she was a part of her own body. Don't be the dude that lies in front of the entire room only six months later to find his wife emotionally broke because her husband has checked out. I bring home the bacon. What do you want more do you want? Cherish her. That's what he wants. That's what the designer wants. Meet her needs physically, yes, but then meet her needs emotionally. Meet her needs mentally. Engage her. Continue to pursue her. Romance her. Make her know that she's the most valuable, cherished, prized possession in your life because this gift came from the designer himself. A godly husband cares for his wife as if she were a part of him because she is. The final trait there, friends, is oneness. Oneness. Look at the final verse here, okay? Look at the final verse. This is just, this mystery, I love how he calls marriage a mystery. Guys, here's a free one. Marriage will be a mystery in more ways than one, okay? And you'll be figuring it out for a long time. And, uh, and you'll never figure it out. But marriage is a mystery in a lot of ways. But, but this is what he says here. He goes, this mystery is profound. What's the mystery he's referring to? This. I, I don't, wait, what? What do you mean a man and a woman become one? I, wait, what? They're, they're one flesh? Wait, she's a part of his body? He's a part of her body? What do you, I don't get, that's kind of confusing. Isn't that kind of like weird and, and new agey? That sounds kind of like, I don't really, I can't wrap my mind around that. And he goes, yeah, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. We're not going to understand it completely. But let me tell you about this mystery. He says, it's profound. And I am saying that it refers to what? Men. What is it referring to? Verse 32. Christ and the church. Young men, look at me. This is what is at stake. This is what is at stake. This is what it's all about. The way that you treat your wife, the way that you conduct yourself in your marriage, the way that you lead your spouse is painting a picture for her of Christ's love for the church. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying it refers to Christ and the church. Friends, here's what's on the line. Young men, here's what's on the line. Not just a happy marriage. Not just having a girl fall in love with you. What's on the line, ultimately, is that you are showing the world how great God's love is for his people. Men, you have the opportunity to show the entire world, by the way you treat your wife, how great God's love is for his people. And so husbands, 
Show your wife the love of Christ. Husbands, young men, I charge you, show your wife the love of Christ. Show your wife the love of Christ. When your wife comes to a point in your marriage where she's wondering, man, I'm, I'm struggling right now with my identity and I'm struggling with image and I'm struggling to really understand how God can love someone like me. The way that you love her, you can point to your own marriage and say, hey baby, you know how much God loves you? Like that and then some. Hey, hey you want me to show you, wife, how loved you are by God? He loved you so much that he laid down his life for you. And that's why every day for the rest of my life, I'm going to lay down my life for you as a constant reminder of the gospel. Men, show your wife the love of Christ. Show the world the love of Christ. Be men. That when you're hanging out with your friends, you can point to your own marriage as a parable, as a visual aid for how much Christ loves his people. Husbands, show your wives the love of Christ. 